Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... I don't know about you, but books have been some great company during this time of being safe at home. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Complete Picture Book Submission System. You have one chance to make an impression with an agent or editor with your picture book submission. The Complete Picture Book Submissions System will help ensure yours stands out above the rest. Created by New York Times bestselling author Emma Walton Hamilton and 12 by 12 Picture Book Challenge founder Julie Headland. The Complete Picture Book Submission System provides an easy-to-follow, step-by-step, foolproof process for every aspect of crafting submissions. No more fear. No more guesswork. No more reinventing the wheel each time you submit a new manuscript. To get their seven-step submission checklist, visit picturebooksubmissions.com today. That's picturebooksubmissions.com. We decided to move in the middle of the year just because um, with all the books coming out, we wanted to be closer to my wife's family to kind of have more support. So we just decided to to pull the pull the plug and do it. And um, everyone's super happy over here. So Good. We're, we're drilled. What is the experience of having a family legacy, of carrying on with tradition? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 580. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Min Lei, author of the brand new graphic novel, Green Lantern Legacy. Stepping into the DC universe was an experience for Min, and how he made his mark was something truly unique and authentic. What results is a fast-moving, page-turning comic with depth and heart. One of the qualities I especially loved in the story was Min's exploration of coming of age through Tai Pham, his main character, and what Tai assumes about where strength is derived, as well as what he ultimately learns. Please welcome my guest, Min Lei, author of Green Lantern Legacy. Hello, everybody. My name is Min Lei. Um, 
my pronouns are he, him, and his, and I am a children's book author. Um, I've written picture books like Let Me Finish, Drawn Together, The Perfect Seat, um, but I'm here today to discuss my first middle grade graphic novel, Green Lantern Legacy, which is illustrated by Andy Tong um, and published by DC Comics. Oh my word, you made a comic. Man, <laughs> you made a comic. This is the greatest. I know. It's kind of wild. I still don't <laughs> quite believe it. <laughs> I mean, not only is it wild that you have a comic period, but also Andy Tong illustrated it. And it's it's amazing. And also, oh, like, thanks. DC published it. Come on. You have a Green Lantern comic. We grew up with comics, and you are mm-hmm. making stories that go into the canon of those things that that so many of us were raised on. Why don't I why don't I just ask you straightforward, were you were you a person that came to comics young as a child or later in life? Um I would say I probably in middle school is when I was um first introduced to to comics the most. As a I always tell people as a kid, um I was really into Greek mythology and stuff like that. And then comics kind of felt like that next step of the kind of like modern day mythology. Um, so I remember being in like sixth grade and my friends would pass around Spider-Man and X-Men comics and stuff like that. Um, and what's funny is that I feel like I spent most of, or a lot of time in middle school trying to recreate or trace or draw um, Jim Lee's Wolverine. Whoa. And and then um, <laughs> now Jim Lee's now like the, the publisher for DC comics. So he's, I've got to meet him through this project, so it's kind of mind-blowing <laughs> to have the... I think I have, like, a pair of jeans that have a, a very poorly drawn Wolverine on it somewhere <laughs> in my <laughs> parents' house, probably. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a, it's a total dream to... Not only to be able to write a graphic novel, write a comic, um, but to have DC Comics be the one to invite me to do it and then also kind of hold my hand through the process and kind of, like, give me the... Um, show me the ropes has been amazing. To have your storytelling voice be valued and then to have people that have been in comics forever show you the ropes and guide you through how to use your voice to tell it in this format is a really mm-hmm. fascinating thing. I was very excited to see that you were working on a comic. This was, I don't know how long ago, I, I remember reading about Maybe it was just like one of our passings at some book thing. You mentioned that that was something you were working on. But when we were at ALA in D.C. Uh, last June or July, it must have been June, it was amazing to to be there and to see that it that it was a real thing. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing to – you know how the book world is. Like you have this news and it, it's a secret for so long and then it's kind of like – slowly it starts to come out and then all of a sudden before you know it it's like out in the world and so um it's a it's amazing to see like just before we jumped on the podcast just now um someone tweeted out a picture of a kid holding green lantern that they just bumped into in a museum um just to so to finally see the book in the hands of readers especially children is is still mind-blowing to me that's very special and there's a certain a certain kind of magic to how books get to the hands of kids and even more mm-hmm. special than that they get shared back with you. We know that for every one photo that's shared back with the author, there's, there's tens and hundreds of, of opportunities for a child to connect with books that you never even know about. So I'm glad that some of it got back to you. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always grateful when people take the time to to share back. When I when I talk to kids when I go into school visits, I always tell them that um when they're always asking me about the process of writing a book and and all that, and I always tell them that to me a book isn't complete until it's in the hands of a reader. Um, so to see it out there and have people give that feedback and know that it's being read to me is like that's a book finally reaching its um final destination it's like fulfilling its destiny so i i always love seeing pictures but just just to say if you're on twitter and you feel like sharing a picture and you're wondering if i'll appreciate it the answer is yes so please <laughs> <laughs> we let, let's first get the photos on twitter and then let's get into cosplaying because this exactly. is exactly <laughs> this is the next thing to know that your readers are dressing as your character um but this is me going, jumping the gun, going too fast. I want to back up and give you a chance to introduce Green Lantern Legacy to those that have not encountered it yet. Tell us about this comic, man. Um, yeah, I think the the best way to start is to kind of give you a little bit of the backstory on like how this project came about, if that's okay with you. I would love um, that. I mean, yeah. just, just the notion. Oh, what I'm picturing <laughs> is that, you know, DC in comic form dc's comic universe has somehow you know collided with the kidlit universe and suddenly we're getting mm -hmm. kidlit people making comic things and it's just it's wild to know that we're not yeah, so separate anymore and you're not the only name that i recognize that is working in in comics and it's so exciting so please if you don't mind sharing i'd love to hear how how you first entered into this. Yeah, no. Um, so I got a, a DM via Twitter from, from Michelle Wells, who's at DC comics. Uh, she's a VP there and asking if we jump on the phone. Um, and at the time I was doing a lot of reviewing. So I kind of figured, Oh, she probably wants to, to pitch some, some new initiative that they're doing. But I was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll jump on the phone. And when I did, she was like, we are about to start this new line of graphic novels for young readers, middle grade and YA. And um, we'd love to invite you to pitch us an idea. <laughs> and my and my my first thought was like, I think you have the, the wrong number because <laughs> I write picture books. At the time, I only had one picture book out. So I was just kind of like totally thrown. Um, but she was like, no, there's some there. We've, we've been following your work. There's something about your your type of storytelling that we are, we find intriguing. Um, so they basically said, it's an open invitation to take a look at all our characters from Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman on down, and just see if you can come up with something. Wow. Um, How overwhelming. Is, the entire universe is, is, is there for you to pitch. That's wild. Yeah, it was, it's, it's wild. It's um, super humbling and super intimidating, but super exciting. Um, it's one of those like kind of like precipice moments or like those like junctures where like it's like it very well could have said no sure. and been like this is I, I I don't know how to write a comic it's like it's too much I um and it's like flattering but too intimidating and like passing um but but it was just such a unique opportunity and it's like I can't it's a huge risk I don't and I don't know if I can pull it off but I can't say no to to this chance so i was looking at the different characters um and then when i was reading up on on green lantern a little bit more it's a character that was um that i knew with knew about and was familiar with but there's something about it 
because I was reading about the this character who has this green ring, um, this powerful green ring that is drawn to uh, an individual's strength of will, right? You have to have a strong willpower. And when I was reading it, um, I realized like I had this like flash of recognition. I was like, I know somebody like that. Um, I know someone who fits that description. And I had this flash of my, a picture of my grandmother popped into my head because she always wore a jade ring. And she's like one of the strongest people that I know. She's like one of the heroes of our family story. Um, and so once I had that thought of like, what if a, your grandmother was a Green Lantern? And then the story kind of fell into place from there. So the the quick synopsis of the story or um, intro to the story is the Green Lantern legacy is it follows a 13-year-old Vietnamese-American boy named Tai Pham. And he lives with his parents and his grandmother. Um, and they have a, a local market called the Jade Market. And unfortunately, one day his grandmother passes away. And he ends up with her Jade Ring or what he thought was a jade ring, because it turns out that that was actually a Green Lantern power ring. And his grandmother had been a, a superhero his entire life, and he didn't realize it. So the story then kind of follows Ty as he's learning about his grandmother's secret superhero past, while also learning how to become a, a superhero himself. I love the notion of, of passing something on intergenerationally. But I think what felt so true for me, Min, from the moment I started reading this book was was humble beginnings. I think we mm -hmm. all like a character, be them super or not. We love a character that feels like they're already starting off humble. They already have mm -hmm. everything they need. They're not seeking, uh, in this case, in superhero stories, they're not seeking extra power to to dominate over someone because that that then is what puts pushes people toward villainy, right? Mm -hmm. But rather that right. that the grandmother owns this humble shop and that Ty loves his family and friends and he's we sort of drop in and he's okay. He's mm -hmm. all right. <laughs> yeah, what's that? like for me I I'm, I'm so glad you said that. It's like for me it's when I read about the way that the Green Lantern ring works, and it's like one character has, and when they're passing on, the green the ring finds the next um, Green Lantern and, f and finds them based on their their willpower, and that transfer of power um, to me felt very much like what it is to have a family legacy and to have tradition passed down from one generation to the next and like the responsibility that comes with carrying on a tradition within your family or within your community so that that idea of um superpowers being almost like bestowed upon you felt very familiar for for me as a vietnamese american um i have a very strong sense of the the my own family history and but that can also be kind of intimidating at times you're like you know how much history is there there's a burden a responsibility um to to safeguard that and carry that with you um and for a, a 13 year old boy that's a that can be overwhelming at times so the idea of having this this thrust upon you 
is both very like exciting and uh, amazing, but then also kind of like it, it comes with this um, this responsibility that it is also realistically something that you have to to grapple with. Um, and what was fun writing it is, like, people would often ask me like, what is it like to write a comic for a middle grade audience? Um, what I always say is like, when you're talking about kids of that age, um, in my mind, it's that kids are in the middle of living out their own origin stories, right? So when you talk about a 13-year-old who suddenly discovers they have superpowers, that's very much the same dynamic in any coming-of-age story where like, you're kind of like figuring out where your place is in the world, what, how you're navigating the world, how you're going to engage with the world. Um, and the comic aspect of it allows you to heighten those dynamics and kind of make it a little bit more exciting or exaggerated. But the underlying emotions, the underlying dynamics are all very, I feel like they're very familiar within a, a middle grade or young, young adult audience. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling and unlock your creative potential with a team of story coaches and published professionals helping you achieve your creative goals. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. agree and i think in in particular in in superhero comics you've got you've got a lot uh, of action that needs to happen in what can feel like a short amount of time we have to be able to know the characters quickly and you've you've done that work you've given us these moments these beats where we see sort of defining thought moments for Ty, decision-making moments for Ty. And we also get these glimpses of his grandmother. Like, I love the the scene when um, we're flashing back to her and her family leaving Vietnam in wartime and that she had the powers then and had to conceal them. And there's this great line that you write. Do you mind if I read? Is it okay if I read your comic to you, Min? <laughs> oh, as as long as you don't mind me blushing on this side of the phone, then. <laughs> I would love to read it. Um, it it um, Ty is speaking to his grandmother after after we realize that that they're in this boat and they're hitting some really uh, terrible weather, and she needs to conceal that she has these powers as Green Lantern, but also protect the people on the boat. Um, and the text goes uh, with Ty saying, so you've been a Green Lantern this entire time? Why didn't you tell any of us? And she says, I had to keep my identity a secret. My enemies are ruthless and wouldn't have hesitated to go after the family. And Ty responds, but even without the superhero stuff, all the other things about the war, about leaving Vietnam. There's so much you never talked about. And she responds, Ah, well, I guess some things are so painful, it takes a lifetime to figure out how to talk about them. 
It was easier to focus on the challenges ahead than to dwell on the darkness of the past. That is some crazy amazing knowledge you drop on us right there. I'm just going to oh. say. That is beautiful, man. Oh, um, thank you. And, and I'm so glad that that, that particular passage um, jumped out to you. Because for me, that's, that, that is a lot of coming from a very true place. Um, because my family has, has a similar history of leaving Vietnam. Um, and people a lot of times ask me about what it was like growing up. And the truth is that there are a lot of stories that I never heard. There's like, we would get together as family, and like you have these family gatherings, but it's not necessarily that you are talking about those traumas or talking about those those experiences. Um, so there's, I think for a lot of families and a lot of children of my generation, you have this almost disconnect of like, you know there's a lot of um, history there, but it's not always something that is talked about. So the idea of like her grafting that dynamic onto her concealing both her superhero identity, but also the very natural and realistic, um, not feeling the need or not knowing how to talk about um, the the difficult past that you've had to overcome was very was very true to life. So I'm so, I'm so glad that, that that stuck out to you. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. And I think that, I mean, I'm a, I've, I, I, I am a comics reader. I'm a strong comics advocate. I am constantly looking for those moments to, to hold up and show people that don't read comics that look at what we're able to accomplish in this medium that you can't in other mediums in the same way. And to see you employing that same tact and thoughtfulness throughout this comic was something that was really beautiful. And also you, <laughs> you tell a good story that I <laughs> felt like a dum dum for not seeing the plot twist in the things that I was like, Oh, this oh. is so good. How did I not? And I won't say the things, but I right. will say that, that I, I really appreciated the way you were able to tell this story and also have, Ty's friends be a, an integral part of his life, even when he feels like, "Oh, I'm getting this power. I, I can kind of, I can kind of go on my own now, folks. I, I know mm-hmm. I, I have this ability. I don't need your help." Which is, uh, again, we we take it with that that same comparison to the grandmother and her stories. We all enter those moments of, oh, "I think I'm good now. I don't think I really need you." anymore mm-hmm. that's that's not just when we become superheroes of course but mm-hmm. but in any um circumstance when we feel like we're a little bit more in control that that is one a great time for us to fail a little bit and and mm-hmm. and learn but it's also a chance for us to allow our friends to to still take up space in our life mm-hmm. uh and and i think that from the playfulness of <laughs> of the green lantern uniform constantly being too tight <laughs> to trying to get it just right to what it means to protect your grandmother's shop, to be part of this neighborhood, to have these friends. I think that I feel like you have constantly been examining Ty's life in the context of the other people in his life. 
And that is an invaluable gift to give to readers, that we do hold up our lives, not alone, but in the context of who we are to other people. Mm, that That's really, I, I, again, I love the, that you saw that in the, the manuscript, because for me, um, the idea of legacy, which is like what we, we named the, the book, was ran very deep and ran in a lot of kind of like different directions in that with the the book you have Ty and his family, Ty and his, his grandmother in particular. Um, but then that sense of community is like he has a larger community, which is kind of represented by the, the store and the school and his friendships. Um, and then that's, to be honest, that's also what drew me to Green Lantern as a character is like, there is this community of Green Lanterns. Like, there's not just like That's this right. one solitary hero that um, is like has to do everything on his own and has to keep everything a secret. It's like there's this community there, um, and the Green Lantern that we are following is one of many, right? So there's that also. He's being grafted onto the legacy of the Green Lantern core, and there's a rich history there. So again, the the idea that we are not alone in all of this to me is a very powerful message to to young readers but to anyone to, to myself <laughs> like to to just know that when things are are darkest um the solution isn't that that you don't have to always feel even when you feel like you're most alone um that's not always the case and that there are people that you can rely on people that you can lean on um, people who are are there for you, even when you're, um, in Ty's case, being kind of a jerk at times. Just kidding. <laughs> but, but but like that, that there are people in in all of our lives who, um, no matter what, are are there for us in our corner, and that you can always call upon. So I, I liked having having that thread kind of weave throughout the the story, um, and I'm glad that it came through. You also, not to get too heady. But you also are moving forward the legacy of Green Lantern, the superhero, and Green Lantern, the story that's existed for, for you know, decades. Mm-hmm. But that, that's something you're doing as well in your, you and comics in general. This is something that we're seeing in, in DC across the board and in Marvel across the board in, in in those comics that have always I think we can argue have been responsive to what's going on in the world outside we also have been seeing comics become more representative and inclusive of our world of showing that everyone from everywhere and all experiences and cultures and families and abilities can see themselves in these stories and and that's part of i mean it, you chose that word legacy that's a or you the team chose that word that's a it's a it's a big weighty word and 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 you have helped carry that forward you've you've carried the weight responsibly if you will <laughs> um yeah no it's what's wild is just over the weekend um i saw that it was the 80th anniversary of green lantern as a character no way um, 80 kind of, years yeah. Yeah. So, it? so to be able to be a, a small part of of that rich history is is really wild. And um, for for me, I mean, part of what drew me to the character again is like I said, there are all 
there's this existing universe. There are lots of different Green Lanterns, and I liked the idea of creating char- a character or characters that could kind of like slot themselves into this existing universe while adding something new, right? Because I wanted to do my best to respect the story that already exists, to respect that universe, to respect the characters that the readers have grown to love all over all these years, but to, to be able to take a slightly different twist on it. Um, and like you said, the opportunity to write uh, a superhero that people may not have seen before, whether or not that's a Vietnamese American boy or a Vietnamese grandmother, um, it's, it's like that is a, a huge honor to be able to, to take on um, and something that I definitely didn't take lightly. Like I was talking to, to author friends about um, what we called rep sweats, about like the, the pressures <laughs> of, of trying to write something that is representative. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's like I wanted to write something that was very culturally, had a lot of cultural specificity, but that also like anyone could relate to, right? So um, the, the story I tell a lot of times is about like, as a kid, I told you before that I like to read Greek mythology. I was like, I was always reading these stories about Hercules. And um, I don't know if you could have conjured any single individual more different from Hercules than this like skinny Vietnamese American kid from Connecticut. Um, <laughs> but I somehow found my way into those stories, right? I found myself, found my um, way into that character and was able to, through the magic of fiction and imagination, kind of embody that Hercules character somehow, right? And so for me now, it's like for creating a new superhero that is Vietnamese American, on the one hand, it's like for those Vietnamese readers who see this and like, oh, I can finally see a character, a superhero that looks at myself. That's hugely, hugely gratifying and something that a lot of you have already gotten. But then also for readers who are not Vietnamese American to see a character like this and then have the opportunity to do that imaginative work to place themselves into this character's shoes for a little bit. Um, and find that common ground with a character that may be different to them, I think is hugely beneficial. Um, and I think that, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that readers from all different backgrounds will will find their their way to this story and and be able to to get something out of it. Let me ask before we go, before we go, our time is flying by. I love that. But let me ask um, for your readers and also for for adults that are writing. How did you approach writing this comic? You, uh, this was the first comic you've written, or the first mm-hmm. comic you've prof- you've professionally written. Um, what did that process look like for you? And I realize it it might be different um, because you're working with DC, and and maybe you were working directly with Andy when you were making this. How how was what did this process look like for you, men? It was um it was really interesting because coming from picture books, my default is to take as light of a touch as possible um, with illustration notes or anything like that. Um, with a manuscript of this, and and usually my my picture book manuscripts are like maybe a page, a page. front and back, maybe two, <laughs> maybe twenty words. <laughs> yeah, um, and those are the kinds of stories I like to write. So all of a sudden, when you're um, given 
120 pages to work with. It's a it's a much different beast. But at the same time, I thought of it as like very similar in that with a picture book and with a graphic novel, I'm trying to write a manuscript that's going to allow the artist to to tell the story as well, right? I want I want my goal with the manuscript is to write something that um, inspires something in the in the illustrator and in the artist and that they can like sink their teeth into and that doesn't go isn't too prescriptive. So with a graphic novel, I kind of took that same uh, approach and I was like, okay, what would I like to see the illustrator um, do here? What what would I want to give to the illustrator to play with? Um, the only difference for, or the biggest difference for me was that my editor was like, we need a little bit more detail. <laughs> you can, um, like, so they were constantly pushing me to like say a little bit more, a little bit more in like the, the illustration notes. But what was helpful for me is that I'm so used to stories that are conveyed through the illustrations that I think that came in handy with a graphic novel. It wasn't a matter of, I think if you're used to writing a prose novel, you might have to scale back a little bit and realize that you don't have to do all the work, right? And that I think that would have been a harder adjustment um, than trying to to go from my picture book approach to the graphic novel. It felt to me like an easier transition. Um, when you're working with artists like Andy, it's like it's it's easy. It's a joy. It's like I, I tell people that working with working with an illustrator like him is almost like finding your own Green Lantern power ring because you have these thoughts or ideas in your head and then through the magic of this collaboration they come to life and like they they appear in the real world so it's almost like this this superpower um that is that's unlocked by the by the artist and it's it's super fun andy it's so clear that he comes from doing this i know that he also mm. has worked in children's books but just the way that he postures his characters the way that it's character forward uh the way that he he knows how to draw action and the suspense of a body in position ready to strike he just he nails it and the the color work on it is beautiful beautiful comic too so all the things all the things that came together <laughs> to make this it never ceases to amaze me the magic of books coming together and i'm so glad min to know that you had this opportunity to make Green Lantern Legacy that that it's out now with readers and that I don't know I just think it's cool to know that that DC it has its focus in middle grade in this way and that it means that we're getting this really awesome cross pollination of of folks that we know from children's literature bringing bringing folks that we know from comics and maybe a, the big silver screen into a really beautiful marriage to support readers and to bring more kids into identifying as readers and finding mm -hmm. the thing they love and maybe even becoming storytellers themselves. So to carry that forward um, with this kind of a book is, is really amazing. And I hope, I really hope that, you know, that we get to see more comics from you. Just saying oh. <laughs> you did quite a nice job on this one, buddy. I'm looking forward to, to wherever writing takes you but but i'm really glad that 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 this happened it was a great great read oh no i'm so glad that i mean i know that for readers like you who know comics and who have read a lot it means a lot that this one um did appeal to you 
and and the hope is that like you said like there's something very unique about comics um in the hands of young um readers like i have a an eight-year-old right now and he and his friends just devour these graphic novels and like pass them around um and it creates this rich community of reading that i think is really special and like you said they're um all books are great but there's something i think about graphic novels i think hits a unique um cross-section of literacy almost it's like that that i think is is really special so i'm really picture books were always my first love but um but graphic novels is is coming on strong recently so i'm hoping to get to to stay in this world for a bit that's wonderful well best of luck in the future and as i return to working with those readers that i get to pass off these books to and and watch them share around in the library it works a little differently it's always Mm -hmm. did whomever return new kid yet i'm waiting for new kid (laughs) (laughs) to pass that along to jerry craft but um to to be able to have that experience of of waiting waiting for that person to finish to read it Mm -hmm. is a cool thing but i digress uh min i want to give you a chance to speak directly to those readers and i'll say it this way i will see a library full of children tomorrow morning is there a message mm-hmm. that I can bring to them from you? Um, yeah, no. Um, I would probably ask you just to, to let them know that you don't have to be able to fly or have super strength to to be a hero, and that um, that they're all in the middle of living their own origin stories, and I just can't wait to see how they're going to, to change their world for the better. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.